0: welcome to the nursery podcast my name is jules munns and this afternoon i am with liz elizabeth peters it's funny i always call you elizabeth and it's totally not your name
1: it is 100 percent my name
0: but in the sense <laughs> that no one ever calls you that i don't No, only
1: only legally
0: only legally yes uh, and, and when so, i'm naughty uh, <laughs> so if you plan to be naughty on this podcast then i will use it then um full disclosure obviously liz uh, we played together in the maydays we've known each other for best part of a
1: decade. I'd say that's right yeah.
0: Something in that area so this podcast will be entirely biased subjective and nepotistic but that's okay right?
1: <laughs> yeah that's absolutely fine I'm, ha- I'm happy with that.
0: Um, so this is the first in a new um, set of podcasts that we're doing connecting improv with specific other areas of Research, knowledge, understanding, the arts, however you want to term it, and Liz, among the many, many jobs that you've done, including light ends, improviser, stand-up, and corporate trainer, you are also an embodiment trainer. That's
1: correct.
0: Um, let's start with the obvious question, which is, what the hell is that? Uh,
1: embodiment is working with the body, uh, clearly. Uh, embodiment... It, it, the real meaning is the subjective experience of being inside the body and having an outside outside outlook, which is a kind of convoluted way of saying how it feels to be you right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so the specific angle that I look at it is, is how does the way that we sit, stand, move and breathe change the way that we feel? Um, and that's really my... Focus, but generally, embodiment as a broader term means the the being in the body as opposed to the objectifying of the body.
0: So, the sensation that that your yourself is extended to the full limit of your physical body, rather than most of it just being a machine for carrying around your head, which is where your real self is—that kind of extension of self. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The,
1: yeah, integrating mind and body, because for so many people. Um, Especially uh, in the Western world, we place so much emphasis on the mind and the intellect and we think that, yeah. And the but, genius,
0: the genius sitting by the fire and thinking great thoughts with yeah. a pipe in their hand.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, but actually it, the, um, it's a two-way process with the body and the brain working together to co-create experience mm. rather than the body being just, a, like, as you say, a taxi or whatever to take that fantastic brain from place to place. You know the two the two are, are very much working together but many of us kind of tune out the body
0: and we're taught to tune out the body right we're yeah. taught to ignore it we're taught that the body is the place where disgusting things happen where pooping sexuality yeah, unpleasant think. subcon like that horrible Freudian image of the subconscious as a as a, a swamp where all the terrible stuff happens, that's, again, part of the yeah. the Western kind of Protestant tradition, isn't it?
1: And there's so much shame around body. They're, mm. they're, you say the word body to a group of people and you sort of see them kind of re- really recoil. It's, 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 like,
0: it's like saying the word family, isn't it? It's like it's guaranteed <laughs> to get an emotional response on people. Yeah. So, so I, I always think that when um, when I'm talking to people who are uh, teachers or trainers, uh you're always teaching the class that you need to go to, right? Or you're always teaching the class that a past version of you need mm-hmm. to go to. I mean, mm-hmm. otherwise. Yeah. But, so I wondered if you wanted to talk a little bit about the your journey to finding embodiment because, as I as I guess we've proven by me having to ask the question, um, it's not like... It's not the most famous area of research in the Mm. world. It's not like people are saying, well, yes, you need to go and do some embodiment in the way that you might go. You need to go to the gym. So it's quite a specific thing to find. Mm. Um, So from you've had this sort of long journey of different things in the arts and training, which I mentioned earlier. How did it end up with uh, embodiment training?
1: Well... uh... I found this because I was uh struggling with anxiety, I think as a lot of a lot of uh, comedians do. I think they find their way into comedy. Um I was st- struggling a lot with anxiety and um low confidence and 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 those kind of feelings and feeling quite overwhelmed by it. And I realized that there were so i would so I would, sometimes i'd be feel so anxious during the day and then i'd go and teach uh, uh, improv class in the evening and i'd come out of that class feeling energized and alive and like like a different person i'd be super anxious in the day and then um much more invigorated after doing um a class or a show
0: did you ever have a since because I, I totally have had the mm. same thing also so you know some of anxiety quite a lot as we have discussed when yeah. times i'm <laughs> um did you ever have the sensation which I sometimes have, which is I wish that class was at ten in the morning so I could be sorted out for the rest of the yeah.
1: day? <laughs> I never thought of it like that, but yeah, that would have been helpful because I would spend a day, yeah, a full day, being like in, in cycles of like ne- negativity and like crunched mm. up, and then I'd be healed by nine thirty at night. It's like, <laughs> damn it. Um, but I realised um, that that what was. I was like, why is my mental state changing so much? Why am I feeling like this in the day and then this in the evening uh, after teaching or having to engage the room? And I realised how much of it was the, the way I was using my body. So in the daytime, you know, if, if you're feeling really... Uh, if you're feeling quite riddled with anxiety, you'll often find yourself in really contracted, like tense postures, maybe crying or scrunched up or whatever. And then when you have to... Um, facilitate an improv class you have to be engaged you have to be open body language smiling taking a lot more breath in which kind of supports your voice to engage the room and all those things that I was doing to um to engage a room full of people my body was kind of communicating them to me as well so I can I so you can were sort of
0: accidentally treating yourself yeah um, this, this class was benefiting you as much as it was oh, the yeah, people yeah. class. Which again is an experience of, uh, I totally understand.
1: Yeah. So so yeah, you so you're 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 outwardly expressing to people to get them to feel good and, and engaged and playful and stuff and that ultimately changes how you feel because you're expressing that back to yourself as well. So that so I would notice that I'd have these sh- these um real shifts in mood and I realised how much of it was down to the, the, the embodiment that I was doing. Uh, and, there, and then I um, found a, a year-long training course, a really, really in-depth course with lots of different angles, and, um, and a lot of that was learning about my own patterns of behavior, and then learning about um, the body, etc., and really getting to understand actually how, how very microscopic changes in the way that we in the way that we use our body can change the mood mm. and how that creates spirals of feelings. And
0: you, you mentioned, oh, we'll come to the book later, but mm. I was struck. I'm about halfway through it, and I was struck by you almost specifying which vertebrae you have to access in order <laughs> to put yourself into a positive cycle. Um, I think you said it's just below the shoulder blade, <laughs> right, you in the middle of the back for me, yeah. and it's it like is, yeah for you, for yeah. You know? And um, so you, um, you, you said then. Uh, you were thinking of all the embodiment you were doing. Um, can we delve into a little bit of the the what? If I go to an embodiment class, what uh, I know this is a difficult question. Mm-hmm. Any improviser listening will have felt the stomach lurching to the floor of someone trying of trying to explain to someone what it means <laughs> to go to an improv class. But what would I see people doing in an embodiment class? What are the kind of activities? What are the kind of um, uh, exercises and interventions that you would be accessing.
1: So it really depends. Um, I, I don't think there's partic- I don't think there is such a thing as an embodiment class, particularly. Right. I think uh, embody- em- embodiment and the use of one's body is a tool for other um, towards another goal. So, mm-hmm. say for example, uh, if you wanted, to, if you were taking a uh, doing some coaching around co- uh, confidence, you might see a lot more taking up. Space so more wide and wider postures and things. Um, something that um, I'll often do uh, in an, in embodiment class and even some improv classes now is something called that I call centering, which mm-hmm. is a very internal experience um, where you uh, are finding you, you're really developing self-awareness. So you're recognising what are the tiny areas of tension and gripping that you're doing in the body that is then. Um, that is then heightening the experience. Mm-hmm. So, um, so you might, if you walked into a, a class where people are doing centering, you might not see anything. You might mm. just see some people standing there. But what they what they will be doing is uh, maybe. It's that's
0: like, that's like saying walking into a meditation class and seeing a bunch of people sitting down. It's <laughs> yeah. like it doesn't, or you know, yeah. What, what a bunch of walking into a cinema and watching a bunch of people just watching a screen, It's it, it's a bit of a simplification of what's going on. Yeah.
1: Um, so, but so centering, for example, is um, there's millions of different ways to center, but it's that kind of how do how can I feel as, as present and um, and at ease in this moment as possible? Well, um, we kind of have sort of uh three levels of what we're doing one is how much are we how much do we gesture how much space are we taking up um then we have levels of tension of our muscles and then inside that we have like a bunch of diaphragms down the body and those can be very tight as well so you might see people very very internally focused of releasing the internal diaphragms and finding space where tension is inside which is Which is um, then creating more tension than you need. Mm. So a way of sort of balancing yourself and finding internal space. So you might come in and see that, which is just people standing around and looking more relaxed after a few moments. (laughs) (laughs) No bad thing. (laughs) Or you might see, um, you know, if you're you're using it for um, leadership skills or something, you might see people um, uh, doing leader-follower exercises where Mm. you notice... So say I'm holding my hands up here. So I would imagine you're putting your palms against someone else's palms, and you're practicing the process of someone leading, someone following, noticing how resistant you are to one or the other, and where you feel that in the body, and therefore, um, what can you what can you work on, you know? Mm. Or you might see people throwing themselves around, leaping around, and um, dancing because finding freedom, you know, finding freedom in the body.
0: So it's about finding. Finding the bit of the mind that you need to alter, finding the bit of the body that enables you to alter that, and then doing the exercises that enable you to mm. kind of—I'm thinking of a lot of improv stuff in the moment. At the moment, as uh, like a jemmy to open the window, you know, like one of those metal bars. Like, what's the what's the thought? What's the angle that enables me to open the window and get into the house so I can steal everything? Ah, um, nice. <laughs> Sure, I'll I'll <laughs> <that's laughs> do a under there. Why not? And so, reading reading a book um, as uh, own it. What's the full subtitle here? Um, How to boss your fears, free your voice, and inspire the room. Available in all good booksellers. Um, uh, I, I, what I was struck by, in contrast to a lot of other um, a lot of other books which I've read with improv in my mind, which isn't necessarily in the improv books, just stuff mm. that I've read kind of through an improv filter, is the fact that you you never separate the um, the immediately physical from the emotional and psychological. You treat those things entirely in parallel. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that really speaks to me because you and I were both very physical players. We've been sitting down for at least 20 minutes now, which probably means that both of us wanna like roll around on the floor and yeah. throw ourselves against the wall because that's how we tend to express ourselves. Um, and I wondered if that was a conscious choice, if you're aware of it, if that's something which is deliberately in opposition to the way that some other people think about that stuff, or if, yeah, if you, if you even noticed that you've done that.
1: I didn't even, know. <laughs> I didn't even really, uh, no, I hadn't thought about it like that. Separating the physical from the psychological. Yeah,
0: well, not, but the fact that you never do. You're always talking about the physiological through the psychological, or the psychological through the physical. They run completely in parallel in the mm. book and a lot of other. Uh, I found that a lot of books I've read in this area either talk about the physical Mm -hmm. and then and psychological on the end, or talk about the psychological and then tax and physical on the end, Mm -hmm. because it tends to be that a person has a specialism in a particular one of those two places. Anyway, I I thought I'd ask the question.
1: I I guess because what I'm what I'm really trying to do with this work is um, is is help us to become more aware that though the two are fundamentally and inextricably intertwined right. you cannot um every every move we make every tension that we have has a knock-on effect to, to us psychologically in terms of the mood or the feeling um so i don't think the i don't think the two can be separated i guess you can talk about them separately but yet we're constantly in these spirals of what am I? What am I physically doing? How is how are my thoughts then in response to that? And then how is my body then in response to those thoughts? So you end up in these s- cycles, and I don't think the two can be separated. Because it, it's a very
0: modern separation, isn't it? The idea that even that kind of uh, heart and head are set are qualitatively separate mm. things is a very post enlightenment kind of. Idea. Well, I go. go, Maybe it traces back to kind of the body and the body and the soul. I don't know. It's a very dissociative sensibilities kind of idea. Um. So let's let's talk a little bit more about the book. Sure. Um. You. It's a book where you start talking about embodiment. Later in the book is more the application of improv ideas to embodiment mm-hmm. so you're you're doing the the classic thing of taking two separate areas of knowledge and putting mm. them together and that's a very productive way to to um, uh, a very productive way to unpack new ideas i'd like to ask you about the question the other way around rather than what does improv teach us about embodiment because as you said before we came on the air this is primar- primarily primarily uh, confidence public speaking uh, spotlight moment book mm-hmm. rather than an improv book mm-hmm. um, so you, you apply it that way improv to those moments how do we take it back the other way how do you apply the stuff that you've been talking about the contents of your book to being a great improviser mm.
1: Uh well one of the things that really struck me very early on with um my training because I've obviously I've been improvising for a very long time uh, and um my... I well, don't put a number on it. Don't <laughs> I don't know. But um I I've been performing for 20 professionally for 20 uh, years, 20 something years and uh, improv improv professionally for 10 years. Mm-hmm. So um Within there, there's a, some.
0: so, something between ten and twenty something.
1: Yes. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes, um, uh, and then my experience of working with uh, embodiment is 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 more recent. You know, the last sort of five five or six years. Um, and the thing that, that did strike me was the two ethoses of these two worlds. Improv, we say listen, listen, yes, and commit. Mm-hmm. And in 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 embodiment, uh, we say awareness. Uh, Acceptance, action. That's what I say, anyway. Um, So, kind of the same. Which is exactly the same thing, right? So, listen. So, listen. Sort of or awareness. What is happening? What's really happening right now? Acceptance or yes, and embrace the fact that this is happening, and then uh, commit or action. What do you want to do next? Mm. So, it's the same. And that's the thing that I found really, really interesting was the way they crossed over. They're basically saying the same thing. What's going on? Do, do you know what's going on? What do you want to be going on? Mm. Um, uh, and in terms of bringing embodiment into improv and making it useful for improvisers, many of us don't know what we're doing most of the time. I remember being... Do you, do you
0: mean physically or just in general?
1: <laughs> well, in general, but certainly physically. <laughs> yeah, certainly yeah. physically. I remember being at um, drama school when I was um, being directed by a director who was getting endlessly frustrated with me and I didn't really know why. I had this, I had this scene in a play where I had to uh, unscrew a toy car in the, in the thing and he's like, do, screw it back together, do it again, do it again. Uh, he was getting really cross with me and I, I was like, what, what do you want me to do that's different? And he was like, just be less Liz. Uh, <laughs> oh man, <laughs> that was <is>
0: brutal. <laughs> what a horrific thing to hear
1: be less, liz. but i didn't know what that meant right yeah right. i did not know what that meant because just...
0: if you can't isolate what liz is then you can't yeah. be less liz yeah
1: now having done um x amount of years of, of performance and self-awareness study and stuff i know what being liz in that moment probably was it was probably sort of quite bashy like a lot of shoulder and arm movements and a lot of vigor kind of sort of bashing the thing about rather than doing it in a sort of slow and delicate and precise um, precise and clear way which is exactly how someone else might take a toy car apart Mm. but not how I would do it but because I didn't know I wasn't aware of my patterns because they're so familiar and they're so ingrained that I didn't even know what as a performer I was giving to the audience because all I was doing was undoing a toy car.
0: And there's uh, there's one that I should have highlighted the quote, but there's one uh, a lovely turn of phrase in your book about... It's something along the lines of don't confuse the habitual with the natural. Mm -hmm. And I I, was really struck by that as a, a very nice way of expressing expressing something that just because something is happening this way just because it feels wonderful and easy Mm. you know the word natural is most often used by one person to slap around someone else for a behaviour they disagree with homosexuality isn't natural well Mm -hmm. let's question the meaning of natural here GMO isn't isn't natural
1: Mm. um yeah, so there's def- that's a, that's so the, uh it's, 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 yeah.
0: it's the improviser having an awareness of their of their patterns, of their
1: habitual pattern. Yeah, yeah. So that then you then you're able to um, increase your range on stage, hugely increase your range on stage because you know because you get to go back to a base state rather than working your patterns all the time, mm. your your lifelong patterns, um, and then trying to put a character on top of those. Well, it's not you know bring yourself back to neutral. To, to to not um I haven't got these patterns so uh, then I I can build new new behaviors so even the direction of travel for example like I'm quite forward f- forward front-footed and expressive and forward focused um, and so if I don't know that about my habitual pattern then all of my characters are going to have a low level kind of forward sort of punchy energy so how am I going to create more range? Well, what's it like to be on the back foot? What's it like to be a um, little more precise with my movements? That actually feels unusual to me only because I don't do it. And if I didn't know that I didn't do it, then how would I get to increase that range? And,
0: and, and the it feels unusual, which is going to make it feel uncomfortable because mm. as humans we basically hate new experiences. Yeah. Well, we have different levels of tolerance, but um, doing things in a new way can be very uncomfortable. Yeah. And I think that's... Um, one of the things that we strive for at the nursery and in the maydays as well is one of the ways in which we embrace professionalism is not allowing ourselves to get away with the easiest way out Mm. and to sometimes say, hey, this doesn't feel nice and it doesn't feel fun. feels like swimming in the sea in February, but when you Mm. come out, man, you feel refreshed. Mm. Um, So, yeah, I I really kind of connected with that idea. So (laughs) how do you you apply this in an improv class then? How do you use this idea of... um, uh, patterns and base habits. How do you teach using that?
1: Um, it's a interesting question. Mm-hmm. Uh, so recently, I was just over in Hungary. That's a, drop drop that in. Uh, I was doing a, a workshop called "Your Body Thinks Before Your Brain." Oh yeah. Um, um that's so, and that was a, a lot of embodiment-focused stuff. Uh, really about pattern spotting Um, and so we we end up getting in these grooves because we don't know the patterns that we're making so I did a workshop with them about finding the different characters when you, the different characters and also the different uh, approaches as well when when we focus on different directions of travel, so I talk sometimes about in this book about uh, having roots, having wings. So the direction of your weight being very down into the floor or very high up in the body and, and light, and then forward and backwards, fire and flow, forward and back, um, and getting it, getting people to experience those different things. Say, what kind of characters do you feel like in these in these d- dimensions and directions? And then also, how do you? Approach a scene differently in these directions.
0: So there's the the character having wings and roots, fire and flow, and there's also the improviser having wings, roots, mm. fire and flow, and they yeah. can be kind of in relationship.
1: Yeah. Ways, yeah. So if you're, say, you're someone who's, um, what I say, very, very front footed or like tends to like, dominate a lot of things, perhaps mm. is that quite. I'm, and I'm doing the embodiment of it now just to explain dominance. Just, just to explain
0: that, and um, Liz's got a hand as if she's got a kind of teacup on it and she's. Um, bashing like bashing her fist on top of it what the, what, uh, kind of like a I feel like this is the, the movement of a uh, trade union organizer in the 1920s like standing <laughs> yeah. at the front of a um, of a rally calling on people to uh, smash the uh, patriarchy or whatever it is.
1: So yeah so this so this this thing could be a character uh, mm. but if it's also a habitual behavior do you find yourself constantly um driving scenes therefore do you find yourself um uh, yeah co- constantly kind of kind of pushing the narrative all right maybe that's your habit as an improviser and that's that's made that's increased by your embodied habits so therefore if you were to uh open the body, lean lean back, be a bit more on the back foot, a little bit more fluid, a bit more receptive. And, and as Liz must- is
0: doing this, she's kind of, uh, she's gone full days of the dawning of Aquarius she's got her hands <laughs> up in the air she's kind of wriggling her spine around her uh, face has kind of gone up to the sky as if she were looking at a sunset just it's, so you've you got a full picture of what she is embodying because I've just realised how weird it is to do a podcast about embodiment yeah, I've just realised no how damn strange it is yeah exactly
1: like, maybe that you can hear the difference in vocally yeah yeah you probably and can and would be, she, can't you? Yeah, be yeah, interesting yeah. but then so so not only do we have the opportunity to analyse our character range and increase our character range by creating a, a physical awareness of our patterns and therefore um, how am I, how do I want to be, etc. Um, we can also think about our the type of player that we are, a dominant player, a, a back, back-footed, I mean with the, the phrasing is already there, a back-footed player or um, you know, if, if scenes are getting a little bit, combative maybe you've had a run of scenes that are quite high energy then then how do you say so if you go on with more of a, a downward energy or a sort of smoother energy the kind
0: of a yeah yeah yeah, kind yeah. Of energy, yeah and
1: then that will change that will change the kind of scene that it is not just the kind of character that you play but the actual choices that you will make as an improviser mm. because you are not your your embodiment is your embodiment and thoughts are driving each other and so to change the loop of habitual behaviour, then change the shape. Mm-hmm. How am I? How do I want to be? Be that.
0: Because that's the easier changing... Uh, I often talk about brains as being rebellious. Um, brains and hearts don't do what you want them to do. It is much, much easier to change the position of your body mm. than your brain, right? Mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. if you've got that cycle and you've, you've mimed... Uh, a circle, a number of times as we've been talking. The easiest point to interrupt that cycle is just to say, put both your feet flat on the yeah. ground, be symmetrical. It's so much easier to do that than those yeah. little things that go on in your brain. Not impossible, but yeah,
1: it's a it's a much much easier way because you can you can see this thing, you can feel this thing. Mm. I'm talking about the body, you, it, it's here, and you can make active choices. So so maybe you're someone who. Um, no, no. This is not me. Yes, it is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, if, if your if your energy is often quite sort of frantic and high, mm. and that means, and, and so I'm sort of gesturing a bit, and my breath has gone high in the body, and, and this your shoulders can, have yeah, raised by
0: two inches as well, haven't they? Yeah.
1: And and you can feel how I can feel how this is already sort of making me f- f- panicky is not the word because that's putting a putting an emotion on top of a, a feeling, but th- this sort of high high. Fizzy, kind of, and <laughs> mm. it, it does not. Um, it does not allow for very clear, like, um, precise thoughts. So, um, if you are finding yourself getting very flustered a lot on stage, it's like, okay, great. So, what are you doing that is creating this feeling for you? Okay, high breath, high in the body, shoulders up. My palms are facing up, and if I um, if I choose to like land and ground and be very still, put my hands together, put my feet flat on the floor Flat on the floor, I can already feel that I can be more precise mm. and more clear.
0: And it's like, I mean, I was watching you quite carefully as you gave that that physical demonstration on a podcast. <laughs> I'll think about this more carefully next time I do. I do. Um, next time a friend of mine releases a book on embodiment. Um, uh, watching you, it is almost like seeing a completely different person. And I think <clears throat> both you and I went to drama school and Sometimes th- there is an awareness around improv folks that there are things you get taught at drama school, which are incredibly useful and harder to access once you have graduated. You if you're not going to do the three years or the one year, you know, have a long one studies for, one studies for, um, and I think the sense of awareness to me feels like uh, awareness embodiment feels like a shortcut to the best version of it that you can get without going and spending 60 hours a week or however mm-hmm. many hours it was yeah. that we spent doing that stuff. <laughs> Rolling around playing to
1: be dogs. Yeah,
0: exactly. Oh, I loved it. Um, <laughs> because yeah, looking at you with two completely different characters. You're kind of... Um, you, didn't, you discarded the word panicking used a different one. Sort of high energy character versus the calm character. They, the char- they are things which I see and understand instinctively completely differently from each other. Mm. And those those kind of choices made at the top of the scene are, I think, where improv transitions from comedy into theatre. Um, you know, not just making good jokes, not that there's anything wrong with that, and if anyone says comedy is easy, you know, let's I want to do something that makes people feel, then they're a fool. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but like that, that shading between two things is, again, something I think we share an interest with, which the Maydays does a lot, the Nursery does a lot, and which is definitely something which is helped by what you're what you're talking about in this book. Mm. Um it just struck me as I said it.
1: And I think they're all they're all different modes as well that we have access to mm. as well. I think, you know, we can pigeonhole ourselves and be like I'm this kind of person. Well you're you're not. You're that's a facet of yourself that mm. is um that, that that is regularly in the in the fore. But we all have access to um to a a serious and precise nature and we also have access to a a, a frivolous and playful and a little bit more staccato nature we tend towards some more than the others and because we tend towards them then our work tends towards that but you can choose what what mode is the most useful for me right now and this is this is great for being on stage but it's also great for real life as well so you go into for example a uh, a job interview is it? Is it great to have your very high uh, frenetic energy in that room? Probably not because you'll come up with some f- fairly <laughs> answers is it good to have your clear and precise low grounded energy in that room? Yeah, then you can make clearer more precise answers. And it's
0: also it's important to have the flip side of that as well I think which is if you've got your High, frantic, sort of staccato energy. There are places where that is absolutely appropriate. Mm. If you're playing, a, you're playing a game at a party, or if you're yes. like, there are certain improv scenes and improv contexts where that is super fun and delightful, yeah. um, and part of. Part of I guess opening that up is is removing the moral obligation. That there are right and wrong ways to be. Oh uh, yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> Your voice dropped about, about five notes there as you kind of uh, as you kind
1: of agreed. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That I think that's a huge thing, and and we say this in improv, don't we? Like you can't be wrong. You know, just just do. There is no judgment, and I think that's a that's a huge part of this as well of of acceptance of this is this is fine it's not right or it's wrong it's just which which is useful what's useful for you now um, is it useful to be like this no it's more useful to be like this how do I how do I want to be right now okay I can actively be that without pretending to be someone else but I just go okay that's that's a side of me that's useful in this situation I'm taking
0: the power back not saying oh, I I'm i panicked. And they're like, well, I I wanted to panic, but I decided that wasn't going to be useful for yeah. me. Re- reprogramming it so that you have control over
1: your own yeah. responses, which is a great part of um I think because a lot of what I've got from this is confidence and um uh and it, it, like we say managing anxiety, it can feel like this is happening to me, anxiety is happening to mm-hmm. me, or uh, this is out of my control. Yeah, 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 it's all too much. And you can and and it. it you have got some control you Mm. have it's just it feels like you haven't but you can step in and you can change you can change the data that you're giving to your own mind with the 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 way you're breathing the way you're sitting the way you're moving you do have control it's awareness what am i doing i'm breathing really high in the chest well yeah that's going to make you feel more anxious did you even know you were doing that Mm. no so awareness this is happening And then intention or action, how do I wanna be? I want to feel confident. I want to feel like totally at ease in the room. Okay, what is the body of that? How can I reverse engineer myself to feel that way by going from finding the body and then then feeling the feeling the effects of that?
0: It's like the positive version of fake it till you make it, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 I've always hated that phrase. Um we, we should finish up soon, but I have one question, which mm. I always ask everyone at the end of this podcast, which seems less, because we've been talking primarily about embodiment, it seems like a less uh, relevant question we're going to ask anyway, mm. which is, what are you working on in your improv right now? What's what's either intriguing you or frustrating you um, and that you're trying to improve? Mm. And it can be entirely unrelated to anything we've talked about. First thing, this is an improv podcast. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, well, I'm
1: I, I'm trying to get better at uh, at story, and narrative. I think I'm trying. I'm not. A, I, I find that's an that's an interesting part. I'm mean, I'm part of a, a company that does a lot of a lot of work with story, and and that's something that I. I don't always see the big picture like other people, you know, you'll you'll see other people's superpowers and you'll be like, oh my God, they've connected that, that and that and that. How did they do that? My brain just went poof. So I think uh, I'm trying to get better at really reincorporating things and making making narrative arcs make sense and getting the big picture. I think as a player, uh, I've always, my habit is to be, uh, excuse me, uh, my habit is to really play viscerally. Mm. So, like, oh, well, how do I feel? Oh, now I'm going to be this kind of person because it feels like this. Yeah. Um, and some other players are much more sort of technical and like, I'll make this move because that's the right kind of Because it's piece useful structurally. Yeah, yeah, structurally. Whereas my brain doesn't work like that. Um,
0: uh, so when I'm in class, I call them crystal swordsmen and finger painters. Oh,
1: I'm a, I'm a finger painter, aren't I? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're both
0: finger painters. We're both yeah. absolutely finger painters. Um, yeah. Because it's like, this feels good. Look, because I think what I love about the image of a finger painter is paint feels really good on your fingers. Yeah. It feels fine on a paint but it feels real good on your fingers. Um, but the crystal swordsman is at a distance and then at a distance. From, mm-hmm. like, there's no real contact with the yeah. visceral experience.
1: I very rarely know what's going to come out of my mouth. Um, I, I, I never really have a plan. And it feels like, and I don't know if it's true, but the crystal swordsman have, um, they're, they they like, oh, they drop something in a scene here, knowing that they're going to come to it and it's going to make sense. Maybe it doesn't is isn't going to make sense. Mm. Maybe they don't have a plan. But it can sometimes seem like other players are kind of, um, what's that? Minority Minority Report. Report. Minority Reporting a show, whereas I'm sort of blindly, viscerally inside it, like going, (laughs) I feel like this, I feel like that. (laughs) So I guess, yeah, (laughs) Sharpening My Crystal Sword would be...
0: (laughs) (laughs) Which is going to possibly be the title of this podcast. Yes. Uh, Liz Peters thank you very much LizPeters.com is that correct?
1: LizPeters.com is where you can find out more Liz about Peters. me
0: LizPeters.com and you can see uh, her book and obviously uk and any other shows you want to plug or social all the n- normal social medias right?
1: Yeah I'm on Instagram ImprovLiz um, I'm on Facebook with my name I'm on Twitter but I don't use it so don't, don't tweet me because I m- m- might not see it so just I should delete that but yeah Um, I think that's it. LizPeters.com is where it's at, y'all.
0: LizPeters.com. Thank you very much, Liz.
1: Thank you.